0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show. We continue our election coverage, and we start with Max Page, who is the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. The Massachusetts Teachers Association has been one of the major proponents of Question One, the fair share amendment. It is now 9.06 in the morning on Wednesday, and it still is not a... The ballot question still has not been called, or has it? Max, bring us up to date, please. Or bring us up to the minute. Good
2: good morning, Bill. Um, And if I start uh, odd speech, it's because I was up till 3 (laughs) a.m. Waiting for these updates. Look, we feel very confident that we're going to win question one when all the votes are in. Uh, We are ahead and have been ahead from the very beginning of vote counting. And, uh, you know, we're ahead by three or four points right now with about eighty five percent of the vote counted. And a lot of very strongholds, I think we think of support, um, such as Arlington and Brockton and Lawrence, are still to come in. So hopefully we'll get this resolved by midday today, but we are very excited that we are on the cusp of winning this incredible generation defining, game-changing amendment to our Constitution. So it's a thrilling, thrilling moment.
1: And a change to our Constitution because, explain that.
2: Yes, so what the voters voted on last night was to change our state Constitution because 107 years ago, almost to the day, the voters, that is the male voters, since there was no female suffrage in 1915, voted to say there shall only be a flat, state income tax, that is, everyone has to pay the exact same rate, and there cannot be a graduated income tax, meaning wealthier people paying a higher percentage, as we have with the federal tax system. So five previous times we have tried to change that, activists have tried to introduce a graduated income tax like most states have. And what we did last night, I believe will be confirmed today, um, is that we added one grade one tax bracket for income over a million dollars. So we needed to change the Constitution to do that, and then there will be a tax bracket for income above a million dollars. Only that income above a million dollars a year will be taxed an additional 4 percent. So it targets the very, very wealthiest people in the state. And the other half, as we've discussed on the show, is that the money is dedicated to public schools, public colleges, and universities and the maintenance of roads, bridges, and public transportation. So it it is not just raising taxes on the wealthy, which is is a step towards tax fairness, but it is also an investment in kind of the foundations of a prosperous society.
1: And as I've pointed out and continue to point out, because some people mischaracterize this as a millionaire's tax, it's not a tax on wealth. It's a tax on adjusted gross income in excess of a million dollars a year. And then it's only 4%. And it doesn't affect the first million. The first million, you don't have to pay any more than you're paying now on your first million. It's your next million where you're going to pay a little bit more. I,
2: I, I, am, I, I don't know this, who this you is, Bill, because I don't know people <laughs> who make it. That. There are there are about 20,000 households in the state of 7 million that do make over a million a year. But it's a, it's less than 1%.
1: They don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> That's right. I would like to know this, Max, and and there, there are some pieces of this puzzle I would appreciate your filling in for, so I'm going to come back to Max on the question of how did Western Massachusetts vote on this, but I'd like you to spend another minute, if you would, please, on something you just said, which is that five previous times there have been votes to have one form or another of a graduated income tax in Massachusetts, and it failed every time. And this vote on question one for this tax for adjusted gross income in excess of a million dollars is still pretty close. Why is it that Massachusetts today and historically has this opposition to a graduated income tax in this progressive state? Generally speaking, we can't do what many other States include conservative States do, which is have a graduated income tax. What's what's with Massachusetts on that score?
2: Well, Bill, I think, I think it is really, there's a nationwide, you know, uh, uh, rejection or, or skepticism about taxation. So even in the places where there's they have a system that they long ago set up, trying to up that increase taxes has often been problematic. Although it's been very successful in a number of states like California and New York and Minnesota um, and New Jersey, I think uh, there has there is still a lingering concern about you know taxachusetts, which is long gone. We're an average tax state. That is the our, the total state and local and sales taxes is just average in the entire uh, country i also think look let's just be clear the other side lied 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 about the impact on 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 the citizenry of massachusetts it will really only have a effect on a very very narrow group of people who have been incredibly lucky to be incredibly wealthy including getting much wealthier during the pandemic i think when all votes are counted ultimately um, uh, a majority of people have said, you know what, this is good for schools and colleges and transportation. And I, you know, I don't believe the fear mongering. But clearly there was a, you know, a dedicated millions of dollars spent on misrepresenting uh, the impact this would have on people.
1: Can you tell us how the Western Massachusetts communities voted on question one?
2: Absolutely. Uh, as usual, 413. <laughs> did really very very well um for the for the campaign um you know listeners know that uh, i'm from amherst so we have a little cross river rivalry and i'm glad to say that both northampton and amherst were incredible i think northampton um voted for it 82 to 18. i will say that amherst did 85 <laughs>
3: yeah, but, but you, you, had know, to cross you know across the bridge.'re I'm, I'm
2: I'm looking at a spreadsheet at the moment and trying to, <laughs> to defend the town of Amherst, but great western mass performance, Springfield, which was not so obvious um, a vote because there's actually several state reps who voted against the fair share amendment when they were in the legislature to put it to the the question of putting it to the voters. There were several western mass um Springfield area legislators who voted against it. But Springfield ended up being 60-40 in favor. Pittsfield, 69-31. to 31. Greenfield is, I think, 72%. So really strong showing uh, in, in Western Mass, which is terrific, as well as um, many other cities and, and towns across the state. But we should be proud that Western Mass uh, showed its, its true progressive colors.
1: Can you tell us a bit more about uh, the fundraising that went on for Uh, question one, because there has been a lot of reporting um, on the support and how expensive this ballot question was, and I'm wondering whether that reporting is accurate or not.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, there was a, I am very proud to say that the 115,000 members of the MTA, through their dues, our union is entirely funded by the the dues of its 115,000 educators around the state, was able to provide the funding necessary to compete with the billionaires. This, the other side, the no side, was funded by four billionaires and two multimillionaires who just wrote checks for a million dollars each. I mean, that's what it comes down to, whereas we proudly, and I really stand proudly with this, are were, were able to save up over the years and make sure we had enough to go head to head with the, the multimillionaires and billionaires who tried to uh misinform the public. Well so, luckily
3: those uh, millionaires and billionaires can now write off that million dollars from the um from their income for the year, right? So they'll have to pay less
1: in the fair share amendment.
2: I don't think it works that way. <laughs> nah, <'Cause there's> no, <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Either. Lawyer here. <laughs> I don't
1: think so. Let's come on, give those billionaires a break. Listen, I, I would like to know this Max. Let's assume let's assume that it it passes. Um in the next few hours we have confirmation that question one uh is now the law of the commonwealth and that we have amended our state constitution to allow this second tax bracket uh for as we said income adjusted gross income over a million dollars what happens next with this what does the legislature do
2: so let's be clear that uh, what happens is on january 1st the new tax rate begins So in other words in the new tax year of uh 2023 that tax will start applying which means that um the, the legislature, when it makes its budget for the coming year, the fiscal year of uh, 2023 to 2024, can count on these revenues. Um, and so the debate will begin right away about how we want to spend these these upwards of two billion dollars a year. And I'm very pleased that Governor-elect Healy, uh, you know, overwhelming victory, um, Maura Healy had last night, very clearly um, uh, will has said she would veto, she used that word, she would veto any legislative attempt to divert the money to other uses than public schools, colleges, and transportation, and that she was crystal clear that the money had to be in addition to what we're already spending. This was one of the misinformation that was suggested that the money will not go to what it's um, intended for, but our new governor has made very, you know, put a line in the sand that she will um, not accept, any kind of, she would veto any kind of attempt to kind of move shift money around so that the money for schools or colleges, for instance, doesn't increase, but we just shift money around to, to keep it the same. No, she said it needs to be in addition to what we're already spending, which is terrific.
1: Well, and and I, I think that skeptical as we may be or some may be about government, I think that we can take some uh, hope and, I think, faith that the legislators in Massachusetts are not going to intentionally violate a state constitutional uh, provision. I mean, come on, let's, 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 yeah, with everyone watching, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But I do want to know this from you, Max. Um, the, the debate will begin, and let's just say for purposes of discussion that it's around $2 billion extra uh, for education and transportation. Uh, there is no division Uh, or demarcation point in the legislation, in the constitutional amendment, as to how much for transportation, how much for education, and within those categories, what it will be spent on. So the legislature does have a lot of work to do and a big debate to have, yes?
2: Absolutely. And um, that that debate is coming. We, We in this broad coalition, the Raise Up Massachusetts Coalition, we're committed to Passing this and getting, making sure there's this funds for education and transportation, and now there has to be a discussion about this year. What's the, you know, what what do we need for the, each of those three areas? What's the what's the specific programs? That all will start, just and a good discussion will start. I mean, what a better discussion to have than what are we going to cut this year, or what can we do with limited money? Now we're saying how can we spend new funds that we can count on? This is really important. If we feel like we want smaller class sizes, or if we feel like we, you know, need these long-term investments in, in the Teev or or in or, or in the you know the regional bus transportation, we don't have to say, well, we have it for this year. But we don't know about next year. We'll be able to say this money is going to be there every single year, and it can't just be changed by a by a. Um, by the legislature on a whim it is in the constitution this is staying with us this will be a source of investment in core core parts of our society for a generation or more than one generation it'll be it's a, it's a game-changing victory if and when it happens i want to be cautious that we want to see it actually confirmed but i feel very hopeful
1: we're going to leave it there we've been speaking with max page the president of the massachusetts teachers association a great proponent of question one. Thank you, Max. Really appreciate your time, your effort, and hopefully your victory.
2: Thanks, Bill.
4: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
2: When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student Close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New New Bedford or Fall River. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP.
0: One thing I like about working at Servicenet is that in addition to being a manager, I can still be a clinician.
5: If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at Servicenet.
0: For people working private practice who want to also still have a commitment to community mental health, working at Servicenet gives me the opportunity to do both at the same time.
6: Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. Eat more kale, says the bumper sticker. Why assume I'm not eating enough kale? If you eat at Paul and Elizabeth's, there's always kale. There's the Caesar salad with kale, with romaine, or both. There's the vegetarian platter, vegetables sauteed to perfection, including kale. Or just order a side of sauteed greens. Some people treat kale like one of those good-for-you-but-no-one-really-likes-it things. Maybe those people have never been to Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant. Inside Thorns in Northampton.
0: The holidays, baking, wrapping, decorating, and of course, shopping for that special gift. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. This holiday season, consider giving a private one on one personal training session with a Fitness Together gift card. Stop by our locations, Amherst or Northampton, to pick one up in person. Or give us a call and we'll drop one in the mail. Give a gift that keeps the ones you love fit and healthy. Happy holidays from all of us at Fitness Together.
7: Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday, Hangar Pub and Grill? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Famous for their amazing wings and beer, the Hangar Pub
0: and Grill has multiple locations throughout Western Mass. The Hangar wings paired with an Amherst Brewing beer is perfect before a game. After work,
7: lunch. Check them out. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at WHMP.com.
1: This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our election coverage. First, with a look at some matters in Massachusetts, and then we are going to look at some national races and the makeup of the Congress, the Senate, and the House uh, with Dan Torres, who will join us in just a moment. First, I'd note that question four the Work and Family Mobility Act whether that will be confirmed or not by the voters is still not decided. It certainly looks that like question four will prevail, uh, and that it is, of course, as our listeners know, it is the law in Massachusetts now. The question is, shall it be retained? That was what the question asked. And it is winning. Uh, it is up by, what, three or four points? There's a
3: wider margin on ballot question four right now than there is on ballot question one, which we were just talking about. Currently, with 87% of the votes counted, it is 53.3% yes for ballot question four to 46.7%.
1: So that seems, I think, seems we can take, uh, I don't know, take it on faith, but it certainly looks like it's going to prevail. Um, also interesting in Massachusetts, uh, there. Uh, were elections for sheriff yesterday. And in Hampshire County, uh, Sheriff uh, Kay Lane, uh prevailed. Uh, the the uh, vote, the margin was really, really large. I understand how hard it is to run a sticker campaign or a write-in campaign, but still the margins. Do we have some final numbers? We still don't have final numbers on that.
3: Nothing is final, final, final. But let me look for that one. I was looking up other interesting... Uh Sheriff races in the Bay State, right, including the sheriff of Bristol County. And who, Barnstable County, yes. Who is the uh, Joe Arpaio of the East, he's been called. And the Bristol County Republican Sheriff, Tom Hodgson, conceded defeat to the Democrat, Paul Haru, yesterday. So that right. that's where I grew up. That's the area I grew up with where my parents live right now. And he's been vocally uh, anti-immigrant in so many different ways, even uh, volunteering inmates to go to the border to build the wall back during the Trump administration, which... Wow to me, as a person who is from that uh, county, is very disconcerting.
1: Right. So the reform candidates, let's be clear, for sheriff one in Barnstable and in Bristol, uh, which is big political news in the eastern part of the state, and I think big political news in the state, because it shows that Trumpism's uh, allure really is limited. It's it's poignant and it's poisonous, but it is not uh, as large as... I think some people have feared. And the voters showed that in, I think, Bristol and Barnstable counties yesterday in their vote for sheriff. Uh, and do we have those, uh, any updated numbers? I'm
3: looking at MassLive.com, which I will say does excellent coverage of elections and has up-to-date information all the time. For sheriff, they do not have Hampshire County listed in their, their totals.
8: I agree. Last night, uh, Bill Newman and I and Bill Dwight and Natalia and Sarah Robertson, we were Using that website, and uh, they didn't even mention Hampshire County Sheriff. And then I when think I found probably the page-
3: because it was uncontested, it was right. technically a write in candidate, and that's probably why it's not listed. Uh, they, they, I'm also not seeing things like Natalie Blair or Joe Comerford yeah. on here because they, they did not have an opponent, so perhaps they weren't wanting to that would make sense go through sense. the effort to crunch the numbers. In today's era of modern media, the fact that a newspaper does such great coverage of an election like them. They deserve – I'm not going to take anything away from that, that they didn't put on this uncontested election. I had heard through our sources here at HMP and other sources that um, there was – it was about 75 percent to 25 yeah. percent for Kalane over Gittleson, though. Yeah,
1: that, the number, numbers we got last night were consistently nine – That and you ten, got. And I got nine and ten to one um, – there were a couple places where it was only two to one or three to one, but I'll be interested to see those final numbers in the sheriff's race. Uh, obviously, the Gazette, the uh, print edition of the Gazette today went to, went to press two early days. It had them. more Healy on the front page, it though, did, so that's did.
3: good, at least. They, the, the, turns out they called that one two minutes after the polls they closed. closed. So they were like, well, put ha, one has him. Jeff Deal conceded? He had conceded in the middle of the night. I know he okay. didn't concede right away. He conceded yeah. several hours later. Several hours. Okay. And it was Generating some headlines that he wasn't conceding because this yeah. has become, you know, par for the course for the Republican Party. To, if you don't win, to just say no, I, I didn't, I didn't not win.
1: Right. The Republicans <laughs> have an amazing position. It seems if we won, it's because we deserve to win, and if we lost, it was a fraud. I mean, what kind of uh, that is tautology? a
8: polarized uh,
1: tautology? Is that just yeah.
8: Well, it
3: goes back to authoritarianism. It goes back to the Trump effect. And I remember reading an article that came out from UMass Amherst about a researcher saying how powerful a force authoritarianism is and how we are not recognizing the danger in a candidate like Donald Trump. While Hillary Clinton was out there playing by the rules of boxing where thou shalt not hit uh, below the belt, Donald Trump comes up from behind with a metal chair like in professional wrestling and hits you from behind. That has become the way the Republican Party operates all the time in all elections right now it but are seems. people
8: rejecting it i mean i think that was maybe the the answer last night as you were talking about uh bristol county sheriff people are not into type of sort of radical politics if i had to guess a lot of republicans that are get elected in massachusetts are going to be at the charlie baker type that is palatable to the electorate not the more extreme type and the republican party in the state has to learn that lesson, perhaps the hard way.
3: I think if the Charlie Bakers and the Mitt Romneys, speaking of former Republican governors yeah. of the state, or soon to be former governor uh, Republican governors, were smart and believed in the conservative values that they espouse, they this is the opportunity yeah. for them to start a new
8: party. Now, here's a question for both of you. New York... California. Those are going to be the two states that are going to be talked about quite a bit because the House of Representatives essentially falls potentially on those two states. There are a bunch of other races throughout the country in other states that could go Democrat or Republican.
1: You're talking about House of Representatives? House of Representative seats here now,
8: yes. And um, I'm fascinated by this. So I was just looking at the outstanding races that are very competitive just in the state of New York because it's nearby. Right? We share a border, all of that. It's got the first, third, fourth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twenty second. And the Republicans are up slightly in all of those except the eighteenth, which shows you that the redrawing of the map, right, of of New York of that they that they did this. The The Democrats Democrats. we should we
1: should let our listeners know. The Democrats tried to gerrymander New York and the court struck it down. If the Democrats had gotten away with gerrymandering New York the way the Republicans got to gerrymander other states, the Democrats would have won the House of Representatives. But the New York courts being kind of liberal and progressive said, nope, you can't have that But to be hopeful,
8: ready for this? Yes. The state of California, so many outstanding states. They they are going to keep counting into December or something like this. And guess what? The Democrats are up in 10 of the 16 outstanding races that are still— too close to call because, well, not too close, too early to call, I should say, because it's only like 50% reporting. The Democrats are up in the state of California. So even though they might be losing house seats in New York, the Democrats are making up that difference in California, potentially, because California is so big, if they can pull off big wins, flipping a couple Republican seats to Democrats in the state of California, all of a sudden you could get to eight. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if you get 218, 218, but you can get something very close. 217. 217. you could get something like that in in this. And you talk about polarized electorate, even in an off year, the fact that the Democrats are even talking about this last night. I mean, I was expecting to see at 8.30, 9 o'clock, projections of Republicans winning by 10 and 20 seats. You gotta see the electorate is motivated Yes, by Roe. Um, Yes, by the economy. But there were so many different variables that got a lot of people out to vote in an off year saying, you know what, this has consequences on my life. I got to go and show up. I I think there's no way around that, that people were motivated on both sides. But they are galvanized to now realize that even if there's not a presidential election, I have to go out there and, and have my voice heard.
1: So Dan Torres, I have this question for you, and you too, Monty. We heard a lot I've heard a lot in the last years about how inaccurate polling has been. And it was my understanding prior to last night that the recent polling had shown that we should expect a Republican, a red wave. We were talking about it. You mentioned that. And whatever the final results are here with regard to control of the House of Representatives and one or two seats could make an enormous difference in how America is governed in the next uh 2 years and perhaps after that as well but why aren't we not hearing anything about the inaccuracy of the polls this time
3: to what? me it, it's always i will never believe a poll again after 2016
8: <laughs> yeah there you go that's the one it, it, look it's hard for pollsters to get a hold of people and then now people are worried that people aren't sharing their actual viewpoints on issues or, or telling them the truth, right? It's harder for, I think, somebody who loves Trump in Massachusetts to get a phone call from somebody to be like, hey, you wanna tell us how you really feel about Donald Trump? And then be like, yeah, let me share you my feelings. It's just you don't trust them. You don't know who they are, or, right? Like their poster or something. Like, Or take an issue like abortion in Kentucky.
3: Imagine yeah. having to talk to a complete stranger on the phone about whether or not you believe in abortion or not. You may, as a woman, have had an abortion and don't want anybody to know about it because of the shame and stigma that surrounds it in your community. But when push comes to shove and you are in that ballot box... You may have recognized how the po- pro-
1: Hopefully but, in the polling but, booth, not the ballot box. The, so we in the box we itself. There's a, they make people vote in boxes in Kentucky. And, you know, you're,
3: but, you may
8: vote but,
3: in a way that but, is consistent with what the rest of the American public is saying. So
8: thinking. in Kentucky and in other states that voted on a woman's right to choose, they rejected overturning a woman's choice and and I here, here's the thing women I, I think a large part of them are willing to concede a little bit of restrictions but when you begin to say no you must have that child no you must do this there's no way after five decades of that being the law of the land that this wasn't going to have an impact. And how do you how do you create a mathematical variable about that because what do you have what do you have to go off of? Right? I mean, for five decades, that's been the law of the land. It's been eroding slowly. Almost every decade chipped away. And then all of a sudden you say, no. Now states can do whatever they want. They want a full ban? They'll do a full ban in that state.
1: And there the, you go. The Republicans want to... Fu- uh, have
8: a, a country-wide ban and pass and, through, through the... And, and ready? And, and here's the thing. The Democrats need to go on the offensive now. You just stopped. You just had this major battle. Everybody's expecting a red wave. You just crested that wave. Now you got to go on the offense. That's how you win. That's you how you win too You have to realize years.
3: that whatever you were saying, despite how bad the economy is, there is something resonating with your message that in, in a historic it, it, way it, they have lost... Fewer seats than than they should have lost. And right here's now. the thing.
8: Here's the thing about the economy. I totally agree. Inflation's on people's minds. It's been discussed by the business press and everything. However, let's also look at other variables in the economy. Low unemployment, jobs. Who reopened the economy? Who got the economy back from that pandemic? I mean, I think the Democrats got this you know, tacit approval of, oh, you were the ones who started the recovery of the vaccines, the reopening of the economy, and it's still a low unemployment. Yes, high inflation, but oil oil prices, gasoline prices have come down from where they were in the summer. Had we had that vote, gasoline prices at $5 here in Massachusetts would have changed the variables. However, now the economy, you have to control inflation, and you'll get rewarded for it if unemployment stays low despite the fact that they were pretty good about the messaging
3: saying, we're not responsible as Democrats for inflation in Australia. Right, so there's, right. this is a global situation. There's a war between chain. Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine. And I think a little bit of that message and, must have
8: resonated. And, and, and what I've been saying to a lot of people is the Democrats might have gotten... Um, they might have not fixed the problem, but they don't necessarily get blamed for creating it. Right? I mean, the pandemic... I mean, it's hard to blame the Democrats for the pandemic, right? And so it's like this this ir- disruption in the economy, yes, the Democrats maybe got punished for not fixing it, but let's be honest with themselves, like, unemployment is still low, there are some parts of the economy that are at least okay. Inflation is the key variable that I think Biden's gonna be hammering for the next two years. You bring that under control, you can then make the case, hey, in four years, I got us out of the pandemic, we're growing again, inflation's coming down, you should win, no matter who the Democratic candidate is. Well.
1: what kind of happy pill did you take this morning dan you know what i was
8: happy even last night because i did not see any of the major news sites saying red wave at all it was 9 30 and 10 o'clock they weren't saying that something was different first
3: thing i saw on my phone at 2 15 when i woke up this morning was the word republican i knew it was going to be a rough day but here's the headline from the huffington post which is very liberal red whimper GOP wave downsize, Senate dead heat. And from the very conservative Drudge Report, Republicans in shock. House control this close, Dems holding Senate, toxic Trump in
8: MAGA meltdown. meltdown. Fox freaks out. Ow. And last one, Nevada and Arizona could still be won by the Democrats. It would make Georgia irrelevant because we'd be back to 50-50, a polarized electorate.
1: Arizona is uh
8: likely a democrat. The Nevada, Nevada one is fifty-fifty. Really, 50 It's really close. close. So maybe Georgia will matter again. Runoff. But Warnock is up. Warnock is up. 5. And you were panicking last night I I was, all about Walker all night long. I was I was
1: and 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 uh uh Herschel Walker has appears to have lost Georgia by about 30,000 votes, but but There's gonna be a runoff because a lot of money it's gonna be no one has fifty percent, and that's the law in Georgia. Thank you, Dan Torres. Thank you, Monty. This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
3: Now the latest from WHMP, I'm Monty Belmonte, in for Jess Tyler.
0: I stand before you tonight, proud to be the first woman and the first gay person ever elected governor of
7: Massachusetts.
3: As expected, Maura Healy will be the next governor of Massachusetts.
7: We made history, didn't we? We made history.
3: The Associated Press called the election in Healy's favor two minutes after polls officially closed. Her Republican opponent, Jeff Deal, did not concede the election immediately after the results were announced, generating headlines, but did concede hours later. Andrea Campbell won the Attorney General's seat with over 60% of the vote, becoming the first black woman to ever hold the position. With over 80% of the votes counted, the ballot questions, a motivating factor for Massachusetts voters, are still a bit too close to call. Currently, it looks like ballot question one, the fair share amendment, will pass, as will question two on dental insurance medical loss ratios, where the yes votes lead by a wide margin. Ballot question three on limits on alcoholic beverage licenses looks as if it has failed to pass. And ballot question four, the Work and Family Mobility Act, is leading and looks as it will remain the law of the land, allowing driver's licenses for all, regardless of immigration status, starting in July of 2023. More sports with Scott Cohen coming up. With the Valley's most accurate and dependable weather, 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Adam Stremko.
5: More nice weather on the way for the middle of the week. For today, mostly sunny and cool, highs 52 to 56. Tonight, mostly clear, overnight lows 30 to 34. And the out for Thursday, mostly sunny, mild, highs in the lower 60s. I'm 22 New
8: Storm
4: Team meteorologist
8: Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP.
3: I'm Monty Belmonte, in for Jess Tyler, WHMP News.
4: Yo soy Johan Vega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Este martes 8 de noviembre es el día de las elecciones del Estado de Massachusetts y a nivel federal, las cuales determinarán quiénes ocuparán los cargos de gobernador y vicegobernador, procurador general, secretario de Estado, tesorero, auditor, concejal de distrito, congresista federal representante de estado, senador estatal, sheriff y fiscal de distrito, adicional a cuatro preguntas con potencial de crear o modificar legislación a nivel estatal. Las cuatro preguntas son 1. Aumento de los impuestos para las personas con ingresos altos por encima de un millón de dólares al año. 2. Reglamentación de los seguros dentales. 3. Ampliación de la disponibilidad de licencias para vender licores y 4. Permisos de conducir para inmigrantes A pesar de la importancia de estas elecciones, según el secretario de Estado, Bill Galvin, pronostica que una participación prevista de 2.2 millones caería muy por debajo de una participación del 60% en 2018. Si observamos todas las oportunidades que brindamos a las personas para votar hasta ahora, no parece que en este momento haya un gran entusiasmo por esta elección, señaló Galvin. Las urnas estarán abiertas de 7 de la mañana a 8 de la noche. Si no está seguro de en qué distrito se encuentra y dónde debe votar, usted puede visitar el sitio web del Secretario de Estado e ingresar la dirección en la que está registrado utilizando el formulario. Por su parte, la oficina de la Secretaria Municipal de Holyoke y todos los trabajadores electorales trabajarán arduamente durante todo el día para garantizar que las elecciones se desarrollen sin problemas. Yo soy Johan y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We are going to take a break from election coverage. Oh, listen to the roar, the roars of of approval. (laughs) Sort of.
6: Unfortunately, no. No. Well, we are sort of. We are
1: here. It is Larry Hott's time with us, our own Emmy Award winning filmmaker, Larry Hott. Larry, what do you have for us today?
6: Well, good morning, Bill. Good morning, Monty. I have something that is entirely appropriate with the kind of um, anodyne name, neutral name, battleground which could describe just about any political battle, but this one is about the abortion battle. It's a look at the anti-abortion movement. Uh, this is a film that's on Amazon now. The reviewers have not been so kind to the film, calling it a cookie, cookie cutter. Uh, you know, It's pretty straightforward It's an approach, but the reason I want to talk about it is because I found this... Well, I, I watched it on Halloween, and I felt this was the real horror story. Mm. This was a series of interviews and portraits... Of anti-abortion women, young women, college-age women, who are protesting, organizing, working to make the entire country officially anti-abortion. Uh, Stop there for a second. Yeah.
1: This, this, these are women who are working to pass a federal law which would take precedence over all state laws and constitutions to ban abortion. Let me,
6: let me clarify, that is their ultimate goal, but they have been working all along to overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay. And the film starts a few years ago, and it interviews some of the leaders of these various groups, the Susan B. Anthony list, etc., many of whom are converts. They intentionally find women who used to be liberals, or at least to be liberal about abortion, And then they tell their life stories about how they change their minds. In fact, one of the women in this declares herself a feminist on every issue, a liberal on every issue, except for abortion. The film opens with secret audio recorded of Trump meeting with evangelicals in 2016, where they say, before he even walks in the room, we don't care about what he does in his private life. All we care about is the judges he appoints. And then he comes into the room and he says, I need your support. I need you. You need me. Together, we can take over this country. And that is sort of the bottom line of all that's going on in the anti-abortion movement. Uh, They're using each other for power. But the scary thing about this is, is the number of young women who believe this And work on it and you see it that you know they're not making up these figures. When you see this thousands and thousands of them pouring into Washington, D.C. and hear their rhetoric. So I think if we hear a clip from this, you'll get a sense of how intense this film is.
1: The title of this film again, Larry? Simply
6: Battleground.
7: The pro-life movement is at our strongest position after almost a half century of turmoil now. you haven't been paying attention we've been amassing a network that no one else can rival in the country join me in creating an america where abortion is no longer celebrated accepted and legal
0: it really is about the tyranny of the minority the
7: antis have weaponized the rules of the game There are a lot of people who want to choose life, including us college students that are female.
0: Being an atheist, liberal, pro lifer is a weird life.
7: We have promiscuous sex and we don't think you should be able to have an abortion. That map
8: shows our battleground states. We've gone from defense to offense because of a very definite strategy and that is to elect a pro-life president who will nominate judges to come to the table and start passing laws that save lives.
6: The voice that you heard there of a woman's, the self-proclaimed feminist and atheist, uh, she is Teresa Bukavinak, the founder of Pro-Life San Francisco.
1: And And, and let me just point out her phrasing. Trump will appoint judges who will pass laws. To prohibit abortion, which <laughs> is exactly what judges do,
6: right? Well, I, judges pass, I thought there were three branches of government. Maybe I'm wrong. They're well, they're wilting. and The branches are are falling off. The thing that's scary about about this is you see young people who have been indoctrinated. And I know, of course, the right wing will say that the left wing people, are, young people, are indoctrinated. But here they're they're almost in lockstep. That uh, it, it, it feels it feels like. Uh, a fascist rally. Actually, when you see the way the women uh, re- re- respond to their leaders in these positions, and of course the film counterpoints them with the leaders of Planned Parenthood and and other liberals. But the point of the film is to say, look, you you liberals, you might think that you are the majority where you are. You might think that young people believe like you do. But here are college-aged women who also are liberal on other aspects of the pro-environment. There's people who claim so. Uh, I am pro-environment and anti-abortion, right? Or I am, as this woman says, as T- Teresa Bukavinak, the founder of Pro-Life San Francisco says, I'm an atheist, I'm a feminist, I, I believe in uh, sex, whatever you want it, I just don't believe in abortion. I think it's murder, right? So it's a, she's, they're looking for the vote of the people who are on the uh, on the edge, who can't really understand the contradictions here, and they want to bring them over and say that the most. This is I keep saying this throughout the film. There's only one important thing to vote for, single issue. It doesn't matter what that person is, that the candidate is, if they are not anti-abortion, and you cannot vote for them. One of the more chilling things I saw in this film were interviews with the leaders of black. Unborn Lives Matter. Now, you can see how this is the idea that that the Republicans are making inroads into uh, black males particularly, but in this case, black females, or into the Latino community. Uh, This has got Democrats on edge. So this film, it's it's well-crafted. It's put together. It's serious. It's not original. It's basically rallies and, and interviews. But it scared my pants off which might not be the right thing to say when you're talking about promiscuity Sex, and abortion. Yeah.
1: But, but, who, made, who
6: made this movie? Um, Cynthia Lowen is the name of the director. Uh, and uh, I do not remember who it was made for, who, who paid for it. Um, it is an hour and 45 minutes, and it's on Amazon, but I would say check it out. You can skim it. This is one of the films where you can just take a look at it, and you get a sense of what's going on. Um, but it, I think it gives you insight into the other side in the ways other films don't,
1: and it was was it intended as a recruiting film or is it included...
6: No, it's intended uh, it's to intended show you, to for show liberals the, to show liberals what they're <clears throat> up against. Um, and you know, we see this, we hear it all the time. We we know about the Kevin McCarthys, the Paul Gozar's. You know, we know about the older men, uh, but what we don't see are uh, the young college age sorority joining women at major universities the buses and buses that go into Washington in these rallies. I mean, they do turn out tens of thousands of people, right? So this film gives you insight into why they do it, how organized they are, and the the evangelical Christian nation movement that is behind this.
1: Does it give any insight into why someone who proclaims uh, herself to be an atheist, to not have a religious uh, uh, perspective on this, yeah, say, they, I say, I know that that's murder, as opposed to it's a number of cells well, that are... No,
6: they, 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 of course they don't get into that. They don't get into the nuances of the way different religions believe when, the, uh, what the beginning of life is, or whether a, a cell or blastocyst is, is actually going to turn into a human or not, at what stage, what is quickening. No, they don't get into that. It's, it's pretty blunt. Uh, and I don't think that you see any nuance in the understanding uh, of the younger women, the college-age women who who are involved in it, they're basically myrmidons. They're being used to march forward and be, basically be sacrificed in the cause of power from the Republican and the authoritarians.
1: We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more with cool films with Larry Hart after this. I
7: man, and I feel I've earned this is Bill Newman. W H M.
0: Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSB Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSB Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Monitoring your credit score and report is an important tool in protecting your financial and can help you identify errors and prevent fraud. Our GSB Credit Center is just one of the great benefits that comes free with both our free online banking and our free mobile app. And with the GSB mobile app, you can check your score and access your credit report free anytime and from anywhere using your mobile device. And checking your credit report at the GSB Credit Center will not affect your credit score. Sign up today at any of our offices or online.
6: Greenfield Savings Bank, greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC, member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply.
5: My dad, Russell Cooper, started Cooper's Dairy in 1936, at the age of 18. As a kid, I'd load bottles into the bottle washing machine or ride right in the tanker truck to pick up the milk. My father got up at two in the morning to make sure all the home delivery routes had been covered. When the milkman era ended, people started to call a location the corner Main and Chestnut in Florence, Cooper's Corner. In 1974, dad bought State Street Fruit Store in Northampton. People used to call it Charlie's back then. Soon, Dew Yard's barbershop next door became State Street Deli, and we built State Street Wines and Spirits on the other side. Hi, I'm Rich Cooper, and I've been helping to keep Coopers and State Street committed to our Valley neighbors and farms my entire life. And now it's time for the next generation to take over. Don't worry, it'll still be quick and quick out every day of the year. But the next time you run out, you might run into Mike Natale. He's a Florence native, and he'll be taking things from here. Maybe Mike will let me host some wine and cheese tastings for customers, or I suppose I could just be a volunteer greeter at the door. On behalf of the Coopers family, I want to say thank you for supporting us these last 86 years. This fide minute is brought to you by New England Orthopedic
1: Surgeons of Western Mass.
7: Your shoulder, it's one of the largest and most complex joints in your body, consisting of the bones of the upper arm, shoulder blade and collarbone, and the rotator cuff, a collection of muscles and tendons that not only surround the shoulder, but give it support and a wide range of motion. Hi, this is Dr. Jenny Garber, arthroscopic and shoulder surgeon at New England Orthopedic Surgeons. Competitive hockey and basketball players can sustain shoulder injuries, such as shoulder separation and dislocation, and tears of ligaments and tendons from sliding into the boards, falling on the ice or court, or direct contact. But shoulder sprains, strains, and tears can also occur in us regular folks at Sunday pickup games, during dreaded winter shoveling, or even through wear and tear over time. So, whether you're a professional athlete, weekend warrior, or someone in between, you can trust the team at New England Orthopedic Surgeons to give you the best bona fide care around. Visit anyortho.com to schedule your appointment today.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We continue Cool Films with Larry Hot. Larry, what's next up?
6: One of the weirdest films I've ever seen. You know, i uh, I have to vote I'm forced to vote on the Academy for the Academy Awards on the best documentary short and long so I get assigned films and sometimes I see a film that I would never want to see but I say okay I have an obligation I'll take a look at it and this is one of those it's called Second Chance and Second Chance is the name of a, a bulletproof vest company in Michigan owned by a guy named Richard Davis Richard Davis is famous for having shot himself in the chest 192 times on film. And he builds a company around bulletproof vests, but the story gets darker and darker and darker. So, I think if we hear a clip from this, you'll get a sense of how strange this film is. Easy as pie, guys.
1: Uh, no big deal. Somebody's gonna ham it up with a bag of ketchup there and splat out and... Uh,
5: can you get a zoom in shot here? As the inventor of the modern-day bulletproof vest, Richard had a product to sell. He was a showman, businessman, and a filmmaker, creating eight hours of cult movies that were beloved by police across the country.
6: Kurt, you okay, man? I'm okay,
2: man. He just does, but you get him? I don't know, man. I don't know.
5: At his height, Richard was the king of a global body armor industry. His company, Second Chance, was worth over $50 million, His vests were being worn by police, military, and even President Bush. In Richard's story, there was a metaphor for the country.
6: Okay, a metaphor for the country. So this guy, Richard Davis, he's a doofus. He's this pudgy, middle-aged guy. He seems to have been born pudgy and middle-aged. And (laughs) His backstory, which he probably invented, is that he was delivering pizza one night when he was mugged and he fought back with his twenty-two pistol and he shot the, the criminals and killed two of them and he realized that uh, if he had had a bulletproof vest on, it would have been safer. And he's had one year of engineering at University of Michigan and he takes some nylon thread and he starts putting together a, a bulletproof vest and he starts testing it on himself and he takes out a gun, like a 357 Magnum, and points it at his chest, films the whole thing and fires it, but not, not only just firing it to show that he's going to survive, but he instantly pulls out another gun and turns and shoots bowling pins or bottles or whatever it is to demonstrate that he's well enough, after being hit in the chest, at very close range, like two inches, that he could kill the people who were shooting at him. So he starts marketing it with these films to police departments all over the country and builds his business up into a $50 million company with all his employees, his wife working for him, his son working for him. He gets cops who have been saved by his vest to work for him. Oh, but it's a Greek tragedy. It turns dark because then there's this new kind of fabric called Xylon, which is even stronger, and he starts to sell it to the military when they're using it in Afghanistan, But it turns out that it deteriorates very quickly. It will not protect you. And when a cop gets killed, the lawsuits begin.
1: Because this new material is no longer effective after some. It's no longer effective.
6: And what happens is, and it revealed, and I'm not giving away anything that ruins the story, is he knows, and his board of directors knows, and the people who work for him know that it's not cutting the mustard, that you can't trust these vests anymore. And there's a paper trail. And he then gets dragged into this long downturn, and the people who have supported him start turning on him. And, he's, and his business supports an entire town. So this is a great American, if not, or I say, Greek tragedy with an American twist.
1: Tell us the title the again. The title, and title can... is
6: Second Chance. And it is on every platform. It's on Amazon and Netflix and everywhere you can find it all over all over the web.
1: Thank you, Larry Hart. This has been cool films with Larry Hart.
6: Thanks, Bill. Bye, I'm not Do you need to prove the woman
1: that you
6: turn
4: to?
5: This is my mom. She's the best. We have so much fun together. Right after I was born, my mom got really, really sick. She was so sick that she needed to get a new heart just so she could live. My mom told me that she got her new heart from someone she didn't even know. That person saved my mom. That person is my hero. Be a hero. Be an organ donor. Register at registerme.org.
0: Sponsored by New England Donor Services.
1: Live and local news and
2: talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.
5: It's 10 o'clock.